Good morning. Buenos días. My name is Jose Nieto. Some people call me Goyo. I'm the community minister here at Antioch. Um, and today is probably uh, the most special Sunday for me uh, in the year. Uh, it really means a lot to me to speak um, on behalf uh, of the Hope Clinic for Women. Uh, this morning also I want to remind you that we have Megan Snell. I don't know if she's in here somewhere. She's back there. And so she's going to be outside. Um, if you have any questions at the end about how to support, how to volunteer at the Hope Clinic, um, can you lower the volume a little bit? Um, uh, she will be uh, super ready to help and to answer uh, any questions that you guys might have. There is a theme throughout the Bible that has its roots in the Old Testament. Uh, it is... Uh, when you read about it, of course, it's a ge geographical area named the wilderness. However, the wilderness is much more than just uh, a dry and hostile land. The wilderness is also uh, a spiritual place, uh, a spiritual experience. And it is a time in the life of the people of God. And I will venture to say that the wilderness is a place where every single human being must go. It is not a choice. There is no way around it. And there is no trying to avoid it. Um, and just as the physical wilderness is a dry, rocky, lonely, and dangerous place, the same is true for the spiritual uh, wilderness. Also, there is not a specific time in life when people must go through the wilderness, sometimes because of our own choices, sometimes because of the choices of others, sometimes because of illnesses. Uh, we can face the, the wilderness, even little kids. Uh, many times little kids have to face the wilderness early in life because of Bullying, abandonment, rejection, abuse, neglect, even poverty uh, makes you kind of go to very, very difficult experiences uh, early in life. Many people describe the wilderness as the lowest point in your spiritual walk, in your life. And it's not a coincidence, coincidence that the lowest geographical point on earth is in the middle of the wilderness. As you may recall, is that the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is exactly 1,412 feet below sea level. And so people think about the wilderness, that, 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 uh, those times of, of trial and trouble as, as like a really low point in their lives. But today I want to bring light, uh, a light of hope for those uh, going through the wilderness right now. And even though it is necessary, it is necessary, it's not, again, there's no way to go around it. It is necessary to go through the difficult experiences in our lives right there, right there in the middle of the desert. God can take you to that low place in your life to the highest peak 
in your spiritual journey. And for, for many reasons that I'm now, or talk about it right now, uh, there is something about going through difficult times that makes you, it should make you, get closer to God. And so the wilderness is just not a bad place because, again, uh, you can go from, from down there where you, you may be right now, and God can come by you and take you to the highest uh, mountain. In the desert, there is a, a mountain called Mount Hermon. It's, other people call it the sacred mountain. And some uh, scholars believe that was the site of Jesus' transfiguration. And that's the highest point in Syria and Israel. It's about 9,232 feet. So you can go for minus 1,440 feet all the way. I'm talking about 10,000 feet from the lowest point to the highest point. And so it's not, the, the, the wilderness is not really necessarily a, a bad place if God is with you. Amen. So the world place for a Christian to be or anyone to be is a place where God is not present, right? But I'd rather be in the desert with God than somewhere else in you know, Hawaii, right, without God. And so, uh, but before we, we, uh, we dive deeper into our story today, I just want to provide a general context to the story of Hagar that uh, Andrew just read. And if you remember, before sin entered the world, God already had a plan to redeem humanity. Not only humanity, even creation itself, the entire world. And so God had a plan uh, already in place. And God initiated that plan in Genesis, Genesis chapter 12 by choosing Abram, who later will be called Abraham. And uh, he promised him uh, that through him, through his descendant, talking about Jesus, through his family, all the nations of, of the world will be blessed because it's through Abraham, or Abraham uh, through him, God will bring uh, forth the Savior of the world. And so when God talked to Abraham and Sarai, uh, they were pretty old already. And so he made him them this promise. She was not able to have babies. Again, she was advanced in age. And they had to patiently wait for many years before that promise uh, was fulfilled. So by the time we arrive to chapter 16, when we encounter Hagar, uh, Sarai or Sarah, she decides to, make, to take matters in her own hands. Imagine, I mean, remember, she's old. She has no babies. Ten years pass by. From chapter 12 to chapter 16 is not just a few chapters. We're talking about a whole decade. Ten years waiting for God, God promises to be fulfilled, and, and God is not coming through. Have you been there? Asking God and asking God and asking God and waiting for him to answer. Not just an answer. You're waiting for him to answer the way you want him to answer you, right? And that's, that's another story for a different day. But 
So they, they, you know, she's getting old, and, and, and you know, more wrinkles are popping up, and she's more tired, and you know, she got arthritis, and now her hip is kind of going out. <laughs> so she's getting a little desperate, right? And so she decides to take hand, uh, matters in her own hands. So I'm going to read really quick Genesis 16. No, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no, child, no children. But she said she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. That was a use. Uh, and you, you need to re-understand. People say stuff that are not necessarily true. Uh, they have a worldview. They have a way to see things. And uh, they usually, you know, the, the Jewish people have that tendency to blame God for everything that happened to them. And, and so she said, well, that, that was God who kept me from having children. And so she had this great idea, you know. And every time uh, we trying to help God to fulfill his promises, what happens? It's trouble coming, right? And that, this is a very, this is a theme that comes over and over and over again in the Old Testament. People trying to help God to fulfill his promises. So I'm going to ask you today, stop. Stop doing that. Let God be God. And we need to just wait, right? Wait and be patient. So she got this great idea. She's, he's, he, she tell his husband, go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps, and this is key here, I can build a family through her. So he's the one, who is the one who's supposed to be building Abraham a family? God. But now she wants to do it herself. Right? We want to do it ourselves. We got our own little plans. And we don't, we don't ask God for them. We just make plans. And so when she told him, okay, this is my plan, what the Bible says is that Abraham went like this. Woo-hoo. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. It says, Abraham agreed. So I just imagine him having a happy face, you know. Uh, he didn't complain. He didn't say, hey, let's wait for God. Or, no, he said, okay. I'm gonna, if that make you happy, why not? Right? And so Abraham agreed to what Sarah, Sarah, Sarai said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. That's what it meant to be a wife in, back in the Old Testament. And so I just want to remind you again, I want to make emphasis that it's important to highlight that every time we try to help God to fulfill his, his promises, we end up messing everything up. And this is what's happening right, right here. And um, before we make Sarah a villain, you know, the bad person, and she looks pretty bad, of course, but uh, we need to understand, again, reading this text from uh, the eyes of the people of the time, it was a very common practice, right, for people 
to use their slaves. Remember that slaves were property and they can do with, with whatever they wanted. That doesn't mean that was, was God's plan. Again, that's what people used to do. So it was, it was very common. It was not a problem to take your slaves and then have children through them. That meant your descendants are more numerous. That means you have more help in the farm, talking about the farm, right? And moving stuff around and, and, and cultivating the, the land. And so it was, it was a common, a very common, it was very common in ancient culture. The problem is God had a plan. That was the biggest, the biggest uh, 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 problem. So what usually happened was that after the baby was born, the owners of the slave will adopt that child as, as their own child. Yeah? But we see that the plan goes, goes pretty, pretty bad. So, uh, so the, the slave usually, or sometimes, the slave, she couldn't even keep the kid. She was used to have, for, for the purpose of having children, and then the, ba the baby would be taken away from the, from the slave and given to the masters. And then, and then they will become even their own children. And so after uh, um, getting pregnant, Hagar's attitude towards Sarah changes. And some people might think that she, she became prideful, and other people believe she was resentful, right? Because she knew she was being used. She had a baby. She was now pregnant. She did not ask for this baby. So it was not in her plan. And she knew that this baby is going to be taken away from her. She's feeling the baby. The baby's growing. The baby's is kicking. And now she's having all these maternal feelings. And then she knows what's going to happen. And so as a response, Sarah, or Sarai, she starts mistreating Hagar. Now the Hebrew word for mistreating I'm not an expert in Hebrew, uh, but it, doing a little research, it, it, it contains a use of force or violence. So now she's pregnant with a baby that she did not ask for. She is maybe falling in love with the baby because, you know, I'm not a mother, but I imagine it is a beautiful thing to feel your baby. Uh, and then she knows the baby is going to be taken away from her, and now this lady is mistreating her. And the Hebrew word, it, 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 it could be translated as physically mistreating her. So Sarah's Sarah little plan became Hagar's nightmare. And she does what... Um, Every victim of abuse does. She runs away. She just runs away. She had no plan. And she just goes to the wilderness, probably trying to hide from Sarah. Uh, but the wilderness is not a really good place to go, especially if you don't have a plan. And it is in that wilderness that our meets God. So in Genesis 16, it is the very first time, time in scriptures where, where we hear this word, the angel of the Lord. There are different versions and ideas of what that means. In the context, I have the tendency to believe 
that the angel of the Lord is God himself in, 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 the, in some kind of human form. And because he promised, this angel promised her that she, he will multiply her descendants. And so I have the tendency to believe that this is, is, is God. And also because of she responds to this uh, angelic being. And this is interesting that, you know, we need to understand also that Jesus is all over the scriptures. Jesus said, remember, that Moses wrote about him. And when I look at this angel of the Lord, I cannot stop thinking about Jesus. And the reason why is because, uh, the, because who she is. So the Lord, the angel of the Lord, comes to Sarai, to Hagar, sorry, and he says, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And of course, we all know she has no plan and probably her future was dead. Brothers and sisters and friends who are here today and watching online, I just want to tell you that there are many women in this community. There are many women in this country. There are many women in, in this world that have not way to go. There are many women in this world being in the same condition, being pregnant uh, with a baby that maybe was not planned. We don't know. We're not here to judge anyone. And people do things for different reasons. But there are people in our community, and we'll, we'll, you'll see some numbers at the end, that they don't know where to run, that they don't know where to go. Amen? And we are, according to Jesus again, he said, I am the light of the world. Remember that Jesus said that? But he also said that you are what? The light of the world. One Things in, in the Greek language, for example, the word angel means, you remember what it means? A messenger. You guys are messengers. You guys are angels of the Lord on this earth. And we need to keep our eyes open. We need to keep our hearts open, right? And always looking for opportunities to find people that are in that situation. Women, men, and even youth and children, that, that they don't know where to run. And sometimes we wanna, we're, we're praying, and it's very important to pray, of course, but sometimes we have to take our own hands, always looking at God and what he wants us to do, not trying to do things uh, on our own. And an important thing is that the most insignificant person time was Hagar. She was not a queen. She was not an important per person. She was not a wealthy uh, person. And uh, so she got pretty much the, the three strikes, right? Her, her social st status, she was a slave, meaning she was, not, she was not seen as a human being. She was seen as what? Property. Like a cow, like a donkey, right? And that's the way they were treated. And their, their owners had even the right to kill them if they wanted to. Uh, 
she was a slave, so that's the lowest you can get in, in, in the social status of the time. And it's interesting that Philippians chapter 2 said that Jesus became a slave. We have the, the translation in English and in Spanish says that Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 10, which is my favorite verse, uh, passage. In he said that Jesus became a man and then he became a servant. It's actually, he became a slave. He, he went to the lowest position a human being can go. And that's where Hagar is. And that's where Jesus goes to meet her. He goes down to the lowest point exactly where she is. So she's not only a slave, she is also a foreigner. And that's another problem for this time and for this culture. And even today, we see that in our culture. And she was a woman. I mean, it couldn't get worse for her. And she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a family. And she's in the middle of the wilderness. And, go, and, and, and for that, again, my point here is that it doesn't matter how small a life can look for people, even as a small, like a little human being in the womb, or somebody like her that had no past, no present, for sure she had no future. No future. And there is not a life, brothers and sisters, that is insignificant to God. Amen? So we're going to follow Patterson's uh, pattern of speech. You want to repeat with me, there is no life, is no life. that is insignificant to God. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And so we need to understand that no life in the womb after the womb, when they are here on, on, walking on this earth. And so uh, the, then the angel of the Lord told her, you know, where are you going? And, and um, her reply, uh, Genesis 16, uh, okay, she found her. So he asked, verse 8, and he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. And then this is something that we don't, do today, then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Uh, but God had a plan. He added, I, I said we don't do this, like we don't send people back to whoever is mistreating them. I mean, of course, we don't want to take this literal, uh, but it's God who is handling the situation. And he promised her, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The same blessing that he promised to Abraham, now she promised to a slave. And a significant woman. Sometimes we believe, uh, brothers and sisters, that God only cares about Christians, and that's not true. Because the Bible says that the God so loved Christians, right? That's what the Bible says? That God so loved Christians that he sent his son? No. That God so loved who? The world. The world. And, and so it doesn't matter if you are a Christian or not. God sees you. God hears your cry. He suffers with you. Another interesting point in the story 
uh, is that um, it is very common for God to name people. It is very, I mean, he took Abram, Abram and he called him Abraham. And he took Sarai and he changed, changed her name to Sarah. And that's very common. But it's interesting in this story that after God gave her this promise, and Andrew was talking about being a wild donkey, and that sounds kind of weird in our culture. Oh, my son is a wild donkey. Who wants to go? You know, think about that. And, and again, God is telling him, your son is going to be free. He's not going to be a slave. He's going to have a family. He's going to have a kingdom. And he's going to be a problem to his brother, too. And, and, and I think for Sarah, just hearing, he's going to be like a wild horse. He's not going to be mistreated by anyone. And this, that's, that was probably a beautiful uh, promise to her. So verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord. She gave, verse 13, this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. El-Ra'i. El-Ra'i means, some gringos say El-Ro'i. So whatever you want to use, will say, means the God who sees me. Again, you can be a very, very, very small little baby. And God already sees you. Many of the prophets said that they were chosen from where? From the womb. From the womb. So life is, saint, is, 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 the, is a gift from God. And it starts from conception. I do believe that. With my heart. Um, it's not a thing. It's a human being in there. And God had a plan. And God had a future for every single baby that comes to this world. And I, have, I don't know if you have wondered uh, or not, but I'm wondering if we, in our society, if we have, uh, I don't want to use this word because it may be strong, um, but I want to use it. If we have killed people that would have done a really, made a big difference in this world, starting from maybe finding the cure of cancer, and we didn't give him a chance to come to this world. And so Sarah, uh, Hagar then names God, El-Ra'i, the God who sees me. I just want to start closing today. She says, you are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And that's why I believe this angel of the Lord is, is God himself in some kind of angelic of human form. And he came to her rescue. He came to her rescue. And we need to, uh, the, the good news, again, the good news for all people, for kids, for, the, for youth, for women, for men, for the elderly, is that God sees your pain. Amen? And for me, it is always important to bring Jesus to the story. And it doesn't matter where in, in the scriptures God appears, Jesus is, is right there too. Remember, he said, but Moses, you believe in Moses, you have to believe in me because he wrote about me. 
He said that in John 5, 46. I know you remember, but in one occasion, Jesus sent his disciples to go ahead of him to Bethsaida. They have to cross the Sea of Galilee. And the story says that Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. And then in the middle of the night, in the midst of a dangerous storm, very high up on the mountain, Mark 6, 48, you want to write it down, it's not going to be in the, in the screen. In Mark 6, 48, he saw the disciples. Remember, he's, they are in the middle of the sea. There is a storm. There is probably rain. There is wind. Who knows? It is dark. There is no electricity. They are in the middle of the sea. And he's up there, up in, 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 alone, up in the mountain. And Mark 6, 48 says he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them. Now, if you put that story together, it took him the whole night to go and save them. I mean, these people spent at least between eight to nine hours struggling with the storm. And, and I wonder if that's by design. If, if God wants you to struggle with the storm, if one, God wants you to face those winds, if God wants you to, to understand and, and put you on your, on your knees and understand that without him we're nothing. And, and, and you know, you see a lot of this, the, the, the authors in the New Testament always say that we need to see trials with joy. Because they help us uh, to purify us and to make our faith as pure as what? That for several hours, Jesus prayed pray for them. And, but then, uh, he, he, well, first he saw them, he saw that he, they were struggling. El-Ra'i, the guy who sees us, he saw them. Then he let them struggle for several hours. He prayed for them, and then he went to the, their encounter. And again, many, many times we, we see people struggling. We see what people, people are going through, and many times we pray for them, but there is going to have to be a point, brothers and sisters, when we need to go where they are. Amen? And meet them in the, in the middle of the storm. Remember that you are the light of the world. You are the angel that God put in this, in this world to do something about it and not just to sit down and hope for the best. Hebrews 7, 25 says that Jesus is able to save forever those who come to God through him because he forever, some versions say, because he always leaves for them. So in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the wilderness, in your personal Dead Sea, Jesus is praying for you. And we need to be Jesus' agents in this world, ready to help and assist. I truly believe with my heart. It's not because today is, 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 is Sanctity of Life Sunday. But I truly believe that the Hope Clinic for Women is an oasis. Right? Not only for women, we saw it on the video, but also for their babies and for their families. 
The Hope Clinic for Women, they have professionally trained individuals ready to help people in crisis. We cannot be everywhere, brothers and sisters, and many of us are not probably well equipped, I guess, in some cases to help these ladies. Well, that's why the Hope Clinic of Women exists. And if you are a person that maybe you, you are already involved with Agape, you are already involved in our community, in the branch, at the branch, sorry, you're probably already doing beautiful, wonderful things. You probably have already uh, your Hagards around you. Maybe you're already helping women or men or children going through difficult times. But this is an important uh, organization, the Hope Clinic for Women. And my, my hope and my prayer for you today is to understand that sometimes we need to help and empower others to do what we can't. Amen? And, and that's where the, 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 the Hope Clinic for Women come. We have Megan uh, Snell today here with us. She's going to be outside. We have about five or six members here that are actively helping uh, there. And uh, they are really uh, appreciated. I, I've been talking to uh, the director of the Hope Clinic. Uh, and she said, oh, man, some of your members are just superstars. Uh, and, and that's something that even men, you can talk to Joe David, men help at the clinic for women. Amen, bro? So, so we have several ladies here that they spend several couple days a week helping at the Hope Clinic. And I want to tell you really quick, so I'm going to give you some statistics, why it is worthwhile giving your money to the Hope Clinic. Well, just last year, just think about this. They reached... 856 women just last year. Women that received a, pregnant, a pregnancy test and they gave them, you know, the options, the wisdom that the lady said that they needed, the direction. And listen to this, 78% of the positive tests receive an ultrasound. So if they were pregnant, they give, you know, perform an ultrasound, ultrasound so they can, they were able to see their babies. And this is a beautiful number. 85% of the women who receive an ultrasound, they chose life. Amen? That's, do you think that's a really high number? Just giving these ladies the opportunity to see life, to see a heartbeat. That changes people's perspective. Or life on the womb, in the womb. And so that's those numbers, just, just, just without going any fur further, it is, it is amazing to me. 322 women receive affordable women's health care through annual exams and testing. And 186 women and men, it's just women and men, they, they are also uh, up to, uh, willing and, and, and they understand the importance of helping the entire families. And they find mentors for these guys that are willing to come along with these ladies. And so 186 women and men receive affordable counseling for pregnancy loss, depression, and other uh, related issues. Over 60 women participated in online post-abortion support groups. Even for people that make choices that we don't agree, we don't stop loving them. We don't stop showing them Jesus. And, uh, and they will do whatever they, 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 they can to help anyone. 2,000, and this is a good number, 2,215 students were educated about healthy relationships 
in public and private schools and churches. And guess what? One of those churches was is Antioch. They came here last uh, March to do those classes here. Uh, it uh, not cost, didn't cost us anything. And so my, this morning, I want to ask you to please make your donation. Today, you can go on our website, and there is an option to just to give directly to the Hub Clinic. Also, you can write a check and make sure in the memo line you put for woman. If you have cash with you today, we have some envelopes on top of that little gray box. I call it the black box, it's very secure. And so there's only one key, so if money goes out, Andrew knows. So we got that. There are envelopes, you can put the money there, seal it with your own saliva, and then, so we have your DNA in, in file. And then, no, don't put your name so that nobody knows. <laughs> Whose saliva is that? <laughs> but put your name in there. <laughs> And make sure we know uh, it's for the uh, Hope Clinic. Otherwise, JP is going to be using it for the youth, and we don't want that, right? We want it to go out. Yeah, JP is high maintenance. And so <laughs> I'm burning him today. And so I want you to make sure that uh, I want you to make sure that you take action. Our goal is to reach 5,000 to, 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 to uh, yeah to um, collect about $5,000. You guys think we can do it? So let's do it, okay? Let's do it. We're gonna give you this week in case somebody forgot the cash, you know? Men do that, they left the wallet when it's convenient, so it's okay, we'll give you a week so you can go and retrieve your wallet, bring your cash. Wednesday, uh, again, we have the option on, online uh, and then you will be doing something wonderful, wonderful for our community. Amen? So when I stand, and going back to the message this morning, I know there are many people in your lives, could be your mom, could be your sister, could be your brother, and today I'm going to ask you to come forward and talk to the elders as they walk forward to, not to repent, to pray with you, so the elders are going to come, and this morning I want you to come forward to, to ask the elders to pray for somebody else. Today, sanctity of, of Life Sunday is not about you, it's not about me, it's about people going through the wilderness. Amen? If you know about somebody that is going through the wilderness, if you go about somebody that is in the middle of the Dead Sea, really in the low, the low point of life, I want you to come today forward and pray with the elders. If you see there's too many people praying with the elders, you can do it with neighbor. But, but let's take this moment to pray about somebody else. Do not pray about you. Today is about somebody else's life, somebody else's struggles, somebody else's trials. Amen?